Hello, Brian, and welcome back to Japan by River Cruise. I'm Bobby Judo. And I'm Ollie Horn. And joining us this week is Aya Shimada, visiting University of Tokyo scholar and founder of CultureLabs.co, the innovation strategy company that single handedly saved an entire local economy after the Tamashimagawa River dried up by pioneering the concept of the on foot river cruise. Aya, thanks for joining us. Thank you for having me. Hi. On this week's show, Aya's latest piece in Newsweek sees Princess Mako's marriage as an opportunity for Japan to reckon with its issues with sexism, bullying, diversity, and more. And if you're in Japan, that is literally the only time you'll ever hear a sentence that starts with, sees the marriage as an opportunity, but doesn't end with some slander about Kei Komuro and his family. We'll talk to Aya about her article and lots more. Plus, Ali's got your weekly river cruise recommendation. Yes, Bobby, this week, given that we're talking about a happy marriage, this week's recommendation is the Nakasu River Cruise Koibito Wedding Cruise. I've been told that the cruise is functionally identical to a regular cruise, except they give you a bottle of budget Prosecco and put rose petals on the deck. The pricing structure is very simple too. You take the price of that same regular cruise and triple it. Also, as part of their post-COVID expansion, Rising Sun River Cruises has announced the launch of four brand new high-capacity luxury cruises for customers who want to celebrate the reopening of society, and 4,000 new isolation cruises for those who want to avoid it. All that and more, but first, Soap Talk. Uh, Brian, unfortunately, couldn't be here today because we asked him not to be here today. But Aya is here. Aya, it's a pleasure to meet you. Thanks for joining us. Nice to meet you guys. Thanks for having me. In the, uh, in the news section, we're going to get into your latest piece for Newsweek. But before that, uh, one of the things that I wanted to ask about was the concept of purge culture. In the article, you mentioned that Japan has a, a purge culture that tends to force out anybody who doesn't fit the mold. Uh, I was wondering uh, if you could elaborate a little bit on, on that idea. Sure. I mean, I, what I mean by purge is, you know, what's what's described as ijime here in Japan, um, mm. in the Japanese language. Um, I feel and I have observed that in almost in any community, there's this tendency to uh, isolate someone who is different, um, not always and to different degrees, but that happens a lot. And, you know, that's bullying. Mm. And so I, I see that a lot here. And by isolate, you mean they don't even get a chance to prove themselves. They don't even, they're not even given the opportunity to, to integrate. That's right. Yes. So people either are, you know, they're being themselves and, and therefore they are purged or they can't really be their true selves, right? They're, they're trying to fit in. Yeah. Right. When it's, it's not that they can integrate. It's that integrating would mean purging the parts of themselves that were individual or, or were different. Well said. Yes. Yeah. Yep. And as somebody who left Japan at a very early age to go to America and has now come back to Japan in later life, in which of those two countries did you uh, have this feeling of being purged? Oh, that's, that's good. That's good. I like being praised when I get asked um, Keep Keep doing that. <laughs> I, I like... To think of myself as, um, you know, being fairly good at making my way into communities. Mm. So I, I feel okay um, almost anywhere. But um, it, it is a little bit more challenging here in Japan mm. uh, in the sense that, you know, th there's already a community usually of, of people who want to assimilate with each other. And here I am, you know, a different person right. and I will not 
change who I am. So yeah, it's a little bit harder right. here in Japan. But of course, the corollary of that is there is a community of people in Japan who have, like you, gone abroad, learned different languages, uh, changed their mindset more internationally. And that that is in itself a community, which I imagine you slot very well into. Yes, absolutely. So, you know, you need your support system wherever you go, right? And I, I, I turn to such people who understand diversity and inclusion as, as a way of life. So they might be Japanese who left Japan and came back, or they might be from other countries, or they might understand differences in, in a different way. There are also people who, who leave Japan because you know, they, they feel like they might fit in better somewhere else and then never come back at all. Yes, um, I was one of them, really. Yeah, I was away for <laughs> 30 years. Yeah, I think I, I read somewhere that um, you said something about going abroad and building up your own your own professional history, your own credit, your own strength overseas is what kind of gave you the ability to be strong enough to come back and face that Japanese society that f tries to force you to integrate. Is that accurate? Yes, absolutely. So, you know, I, I think as a Japanese woman, it's very scary to come back into this community and, you know, not be given opportunities of, let's say, you know, in my case, management opportunities, you know, opportunities to speak up without trying to be too feminine. Um, and it's hard to come back here and, and be yourself. Therefore, so I was very scared for, for mm -hmm. a long time. And, you know, in, in New York City, I had opportunities mm -hmm. to develop my, my confidence and skills such that I could kind of come back and be more assertive. I'm reminded of the Japanese guy who just recently won the Nobel Prize. He, he talked about the idea that if you want to do something different, if you want to do, if you want to pursue your own passions or your own ideas without worrying about how it's going to affect the community around you or the concept of harmony in that community, that it's easier to just leave Japan. Yeah, I think that's true. Do you that's, think that's that, really true? Yeah. But that, that phenomenon, does that hurt Japan in the long run? Absolutely. I, I mean, you know, it goes, it, it, yeah, it goes both ways. I, I don't think that it's all bad, um, you know, valuing tradition and, and valuing harmony. Yeah. But um, this, this lack of ability to change as the world keeps on changing is definitely damaging. Yeah. Well, the, the, the downside is that it might force out, you know, potential Nobel Prize winners. But I guess the upside is that when they do win those Nobel Prizes, Japan can still claim them. <laughs> they choose to, yeah. It's interesting because most of these people have changed their citizenship, right? Because of the, you know, government's, um, uh, there's a law that disallows um, you to have dual citizenship. Yeah. So in, in that sense, um, you know, are they really Japanese? And I, I read an article recently that um, posed the question, why is uh, Kazuo Ishiguro, the author, yeah. spelled in katakana um, while... You know, um, sorry, I forget who the Nobel laureate is, but you know, he his name is spelled in Ali kanji. And I won't embarrass characters. you by saying it. Don't worry. <laughs> yeah, I'm not gonna. That's the only I'm not, reason I'm that not, we won't say it right now. For that now reason, I'm now not saying it. We don't want to embarrass name. you. There's no other reason that one of us no is not other saying reason, it. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So, yeah, I mean, it, it, what the, the choice of um, characterization is is quite significant, and um, if mm. I may make a point right now that, you know, in, in my recent Newsweek article, I, I asked the, the Japanese editor to call Princess Mako Makoshi, 
right? With with um with a sense of respect. Yeah. Um, I'm not sure how you'd uh, explain she, but you know that that's like Mister, Mrs. Well, yeah, she is just used as like an honorific for men or women, right? Unlike she, her, which is what you put in your Twitter bio. <laughs> Yes, that's right. That's right. Um, and so, and so, why did they stop using that? Um, yeah. What? Oh, yeah. So, okay. So, uh, my article was originally written in English, and I published it in the U.S. because I thought that would be easier um, mm. to have that story published in English. And um, but I, I got the Japan editor to translate it, and he worked on it himself. It was really nice of him. Anyway, he started translating um, Mako as as Mako San. And her husband as Keishi, mm. and I thought that was really, we you know we do need those pronouns in you know in in our signatures too here in Japan. You know wh whatever you want to be called, I think that that should be respected. And in addition, they shouldn't be an automatic decision based on your gender, in my opinion. Right. Yeah. And course. so I had yeah. that corrected. Yeah. Good. Well, talking about that kind of sexism is exactly what we plan to do in the news section. Before we do so, Bobby, should we run through the people that we need to thank this week? Sure. We've got some recent activity on our Buy Me a Coffee page at buymeacoffee.com forward slash Japan Bite River Cruise. Clayton bought us five coffees. Uh, he says he's doing it because he's matching his buddy Brian's donation. Uh, and he's from the greater Los Angeles area, uh, which is in Fukuoka. We also have a new member, Tim MGCC, just joined our membership. And he said it's worth every cent yen slash penny. Thanks, Tim. And then he says, does this come with a, a reference that I don't get? Does this come with a Victor Kiam style money back guarantee? Hell yeah, it does. And it contains no Aspinall. Now I'm going to give Bobby another reference yeah. that he doesn't get, which is unrelated to that reference. If you don't enjoy the show, Victor Kiam will give you your money back. Uh, and mail, we got a mail from Pat. Pat's also continuing to try to send us a donation without any uh, success so far, unfortunately. Uh, and he also offered his congratulations on my barbecue project. Uh, just real quick, I just wanted to say a huge thank you to everybody who donated to that. We are just about up to uh, 100 month, which is about $10,000, which is a huge, huge amount. Well done. Uh, but it's also like a sixth of our total goal. So if you haven't donated yet and you'd like to, it would be greatly, greatly appreciated. Yeah, please support Bobby. Then he'll stop going on about it on this show. And with that, <laughs> shall we jump into the news? Bobby, do you know what's in the news this week? Well, Princess Mako is married and she's on her way out of Japan. And Aya recently published a piece in Newsweek uh, where she talks about what she calls Japan's Megxit and says that Japan needs a feminist and human rights perspective on it. So Aya, let's start very broadly. Um, what is the feminist and human rights perspective that Japan needs? Yeah, so um, primarily I felt that Princess Mako, you know, she was being cyberbullied, essentially. Um, she wasn't given any agency, right? She mm -hmm. wasn't assigned any sense of autonomy that, you know, she made her own choices. Instead, it was her husband that was, you know, continuously criticized. So, you know, cyberbullying is a human rights issue and also not assigning any agency to... The woman at the heart of this um, was not feminist. Well, let me ask a quick follow-up. Um, when you say cyberbullying, I understand from your article that you're also referring, you're not just talking about some netta uyoku or some aikoksha uh, spamming her with, with horrible email or something like that. You're talking about the way she was covered in the press. What was it about 
the treatment of her in the press that you identified as bullying. Interesting. Yeah. So uh, there was a lot of nitpicking of her um, whereabouts as well as her husband's, right? And that's that's already you know irrelevant information really for you know as far as the public is concerned. Why why do we care? Why why does it matter? And um, in addition, there were a number of stories that were really about um, that seemed like personal attacks, whether it was um, her husband's hairstyle or you know her husband's um, mother's um, borrowing money from her ex fiance and so on and so forth. Those things are are, are really irrelevant. Um, you know why why should the public even care about these things? However, when the media publishes, you know the paparazzi publishes um, these items, uh, I think that uh, you know I wish people were smarter to be honest, but you know mm-hmm. people will just follow their lead in 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 um, you know what we call bashing here in Japan, you know on, on criticism and, and cyberbullying. I wonder what the percentages actually are because I think you do hear a number of people who watch the, the TV shows about. Uh, they watch the 24-hour coverage for days on end and go, I don't want to watch this. I'm tired of this. Why are they spending so much time on this? Yeah, I agree. I, you know, I, personally, I don't watch any TV here in Japan. And um, uh, in my personal sense, I don't have any statistics, but my personal sense is that, you know, it, it, it's a bell curve, right? So there are, there's a small number of people who are participating in this actively, and there's a lot of commercial reasons for, you know, clickbaiting, right? Mm. So that that's definitely there. But the rest of us, I think, we're just watching without intervening. And, and I, you know, my part of my point is that we do need to intervene in these um, uh, activities. This idea of, uh, of people making money out of them and, and the clickbait angle, I think, is pr- probably the simplest explanation, right? But I wonder whether people like this from the royal family the media think they almost have a special past because the media feels ownership of celebrities generally. But there are maybe certain parts of a celebrity's life which they wouldn't touch. But because of this idea of a a kind of a public ownership and a special kind of accountability, I wonder whether the media thinks that they're given a pass to to push even further uh, than they would do for just a regular celebrity. Yeah, I mean, I think that's one point of view. And I have two things to say about that. One is that respect should be universal right whatever your role whatever whatever you know work you have or whatever title or positions you have and that needs to be there um, the other point is that um, even royalty they have human rights they are born as humans so they should be able to leave if they want to um, they are assigned roles at birth, and um, you know they they should be given a voice. So, in terms of the media coverage, what would the ideal coverage be? What would the extent of that coverage look like? Oh, I don't know. You know, I don't have any opinion on this because, you know, the the role of royalty to begin with is very. Um, it's a, it's a, you know, it's a discussion, mm. and so I think it depends on that. So here in Japan, they're meant to be cultural symbols, right? Um, but there's a lot of historical baggage um, that comes with with the um, with the royal family here, and um, people expect um, them to lead Japan's 
culture and position mm. in a way. Not everybody, but you know, there's that expectation by some, and so that that's the the added burden on them besides being today's symbol. Do you think it's true that their job is to lead the culture? I I wonder whether. Actually, the opposite is true for the monarchy. They're supposed to reflect the culture as it was. The, the monarchy is kind of necessarily conservative, and the idea of a progressive monarchy is is a kind of oxymoron. Yeah, interesting. And so, you know, I, I've been reading about that um, uh, recently, and um, it's like you have to be both at the same time. <laughs> Right? You have to be both at the same. That's why they choose certain marriages. I'm, I'm, I'm not really sure. I'm just speculating. But you, you have to be up to date, and, and you have to also empower your, your position, which you know by necessity is, you know, it's hereditary, and you have to, you have to maintain that uh, tradition matters. Modern and traditional mm. at the same time. That's right. That's I'm right. I'm trying to think of like how that would translate to like a poli- I'm like imagining like a politician like doing an Instagram Shazai Kaiken where they apologize for visiting Yaskuni Jinja, but they're doing it from Yaskuni Jinja. <laughs> yeah, yeah, something exactly. No, but you know, I, I think it, it can be a, a real media strategy, yeah. to be honest, if, if you are in that position. Yeah. Well, Everyone is is comparing and contrasting with what happened with Harry and Meghan in the UK. And I'm curious about whether or not, because in this instance, it's a female member of the royal family getting married and leaving, is that somehow seen as more of a betrayal because of traditional Japanese gender roles? I'm not sure. You know, to be honest, um, Japanese people were not following Megxit that much. Hmm. Yeah. Japanese people were like, that actress I like from Suits isn't there anymore. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Exactly. So, you know, a lot of Japan sees outside of Japan as as almost like outer space, you know, like not subject for comparison. So I'm I'm not sure. I'm not sure. But there was definitely a sense of control and ownership and, you know, infantilizing nature to the treatment of Princess Mako in in the media and in social media. Maybe this is a good time to ask the question, which I've seen on Twitter almost every time this is discussed, which is, why do we keep talking about the marrying a commoner when she had no other options? It's like, what what other agency does, does she have? What, what like what was she supposed to do? Exactly, what was she supposed to do? Really, and and, and you know, on, on along that point, you know, I, I saw an article recently about, you know, she's following her love, and what's wrong with that? You know, she may not be even in love, right? Maybe she just wanted oh, no. somebody to take her out of Japan, and this happens all the time yeah. with with the rest of us. You know, we don't always marry for love. We don't need to romanticize her situation. Ali and I talked about this in the extras last week a little bit, just because um, all of the things like the ponytail and wearing the pinstripe suit, all of these little things that they're doing that are kind of like screw yous to uh, to their handlers. Um, when they look at each other and people go like, oh, you can see how in love they are. You can see how deeply they care about each other. I'm always kind of curious if if an element of that isn't this forbidden love or like we're sticking it to everyone else together. There's something about that that could be, I don't want to romanticize that either, but like that could, that, that could really kind of like solidify them as a couple if they feel like it's them against the world. Yes, it's Mm. the persecution. Uh, (laughs) I don't know that sometimes is romantic. My my previous question wasn't actually rhetorical. What were 
her other options? Like, what was she supposed to do other than marry a commoner? Marry a prince from another another it, country? Is that an option? No, then then she's marrying a foreigner. That's even worse than marrying a commoner. <laughs> he, 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 wouldn't have a, he wouldn't have a ponytail. He'd have dreadlocks. Imagine that. <laughs> Do any yeah, of I, know? I don't know are there, what are there other like, choices she had. Are there other noble families in Japan that she would have been allowed to marry into? Or would, would have been more acceptable? What, what has everybody done up until now? I, I, as far as I know, the female royals married a commoner in recent times. Yeah. Right. So, so, th- so this is a non. I mean, this is a dying anyway. clan. I mean, they they are reduced in number mm. all the time, right? Yeah. Of so, course. yeah. How are you, you going to marry your your brother and cousin? And you know, what are you going to do? Yeah. You know, it's. I mean, that happens too, well, but that, not not the brother. Well, hang on. That I'm from the West Country. Don't disrespect my culture. That's exactly <laughs> what we do. Uh. So Aya, in your article, you start out talking about how you you spoke about it with your daughter and how your daughter heard about it at school. Do you know, did she hear her friends talking about it or did she hear from teachers? I'm wondering how much the younger generations actually care. That's good. Yeah, I, I wonder that too. I, I, I think that she heard about this from her friends. Mm-hmm. So definitely their families are talking about this. I don't think that children really have any concept of the royal family so you know if but there's let me just make this point so in in japanese schools i think there's very little critical thinking Mm. right and so that's taught and you know there's there are limited opportunities to express your own ideas and thoughts as you know presentations Mm. or essays or you know what there's always a model answer so in that sense uh, i doubt very much that they were having a you know, real discussion. It was more like, oh, yes, this is in the news and, you know, she's this and that and he's this and that. It's mm-hmm. my sense. When you were your daughter's age, what what was your view on the imperial family? Oh, that's good. I didn't have any, you know. <laughs> I didn't care. We, so my grandparents used to take me to the, um, the imperial palace for the um, you know, sakura view in cherry blossom yeah, season. Yeah. Just just for the trees, you know, the flowers. Um that's it. I, you know, I, yeah. Did you ha- when I was um, in high school, um, Princess Masako married. Um, so she was a commoner that married the prince. And that was in the news because my friend lived in the same neighborhood as, as her family did. Mm. I mean, that was, that was in our conversation because of that mm. when it was in the news. Did you have any sense of what the popular view of the imperial family was at that time? No. Hmm. No. <laughs> yeah, I didn't get much, you know, impression of controversy. Yeah. But I remember very well when it was reported in the news and I, I saw, you know, I was like 15, um, that, uh, you know, they didn't really ask the prince whom he wanted to marry. So there was like a roster of ladies <laughs> that the Imperial Household Agency was considering as as his wife. And... Um, one time somebody in the discussion said, hey, what does the prince actually think? And that was the first time he was asked the question and he said, I, I like Masako. Oh. And that's, that was it. That tracks with the sense that I get from the Japanese people around me that, that their real only relationship with the royal family is through the media. Is through, you know, you hear stories about them mm. here and there, but you don't feel any sense of connection to them in terms of your own daily life. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I think that the um, the Heisei uh, couple, you know, who are now retired, the Heisei Emperor, mm-hmm. um, 
he and uh, his wife, the Empress, uh, made it a point to visit disaster areas um, and also visit um, Asian countries um, to commemorate um, World War II happenings. And I, I think that, you know, they had things they wanted to say. That's my impression. And, you know, the royal family isn't really allowed to speak their minds mm. much. It's heavily, heavily censored. So... I think that uh, this was their gesture to to you know to create their own sort of limited activism. That's my impression. And of course, one of the ways to do that was to turn down the payment for the wedding. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I, I you know that's that's what was reported, but I also read that you know she wasn't allowed to have the payment at the at the wedding. Oh, really? Uh, so yeah, I, 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 who knows? Who knows? And who cares? You know, I, I just want her to yeah. be free. What do you think about all of the attention that's paid to uh, Komodo's mother's ex-fiance and the the alleged debt? What, what, what's the, what is this? I keep vaguely reading about this. What's the actual scandal here? So, well, um, yeah, his mother was married to uh, had a fiance that paid for their lifestyle. And after the fact, he came out way, way, way later, I think probably after it was announced that that Princess Mako might marry Kei Komono, he's claimed that the understanding was that he was loaning them money and not giving them money so that the mother owes right. him a whole bunch of money. Right, okay. It's not substantiated one way or the other. Yeah, I mean, it's about, uh, I think, don't quote me on this, but I will say this, it's it's close enough. Um, it's about 30,000 US dollars. Mm-hmm. And um, in my article, I, I mentioned that Japan's debt is about 13 trillion dollars, right? Yeah. And, you know, <laughs> seriously, yeah. people are worried about, you know, using tax yen yeah. to finance Komurov's family debt. Um, but, you know, we should really worry about our, our country's debt, yeah. you know, which also needs to be financed by taxes. Yeah. It's kind of like the pot calling the kettle's fiance a dirty commoner. Is there any hope that the next generation of, of royals w- won't suffer this kind of treatment? Or, or do you reckon the, the royal family might be might be done within a couple of generations anyway? Well, we have to have hope. And, you know, I think that uh, we as, as people have to be committed to to treating everybody with a sense of dignity. And if, if we are unable to do that for the royal family, then I, I personally I'm not sure if if they're worth staying in the same type of institution. So taking all of your management techniques, such as design thinking and agile development, how do we improve the royal family? <laughs> That's good. Hmm. Well, uh, first of all, you know, my, my colleagues and I were joking about this last night that we need to do some, you know, process re-engineering and cost cutting for the Royal Imperial Household Agency, right? So okay. that that's going to that's gonna do well for our, our tax money, the use of a tax spend, and um, what else, design thinking, I mean, you know, allow them to have a voice, right, because in design thinking and also in Agile, it's about different people coming together mm-hmm. to to experiment incrementally, and right now we're, we're missing the family themselves in, in the conversation, so there's only so much you and I can do as outsiders to opine on, you know, how the, the royal institution should B, um, when they are not given a voice to participate in this and own it. And 
one of the things that you can do automatically to kind of increase your range of ideas and perspectives is to increase diversity within the organization itself. You know, bring in some outsiders, bring in some foreigners. And they could do that um, with Ollie. I mean, Princess Mako's got a sister. Hey, thanks very much for listening to this episode 106 of Japan by River Cruise. Quick reminder, if you haven't yet gone to buymeacoffee.com forward slash Japan by River Cruise and bought a pack of Japan by River Cruise stickers, you lack sex appeal. And thank you very much to our guest this week, Aya Shimada. Aya, it was a pleasure talking to you and we'll look forward to uh, your next piece whenever it comes out. Thank you so much, Bobby and Ollie. Thanks for having me. Thanks to all our listeners and we will see you next week.